Okay, I'm on, so that's a good thing. Good morning, everyone. Um, just, uh, we will be in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 this morning, so as way of introduction and talking about where we've been so far, we spent some time talking or trying to understand Solomon and some of the influences that made him who he was. Then we looked at chapter 1, which, am I ringing? Am I? Okay. Sounds like it to me, but it's probably just me. So, um, we looked at chapter 1, which started to help us understand what motivated the writing of Ecclesiastes, what made Solomon decide to do that, which primarily is concerned with determining what is worth doing in this life. We live under the sun, on earth, what we do with our earthly lives is kind of what uh, he seemed to be talking about. He spoke of the cyclical, cyclical, cyclical nature of um, history um, and of the world itself, how there's nothing truly new under the sun, how we can have short memories, and how nothing on this earth will bring satisfaction. So um, that's kind of where we've been so far. So let's pray, and then we'll get started. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for um, the cold weather outside. Thank you for the changing of seasons. Thank you for a new year um, that we mark on the calendar. Um, and Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here to study your word, to look into what you have to say um, and what Solomon wrote down in his lifetime. Uh, so Father, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would be the one to guide us into your truth to um, just draw us closer to you as we, as we look into your word. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so typically, oftentimes what I'll do is I'll read through whatever passage we're going to read through. I'll read through the whole thing and then kind of go back through, but that would be a little monotonous, I think. So rather than reading through it and then rereading through it, we're just going to take it a section at a time. So um, we will start with verses 1 through 3. I said to myself, come, now I will test you with pleasure, so enjoy yourself. And behold, it too was futility. I said of laughter, it is madness, and of pleasure, what does it, what does it accomplish? I explored with my mind how to stimulate my body with wine while my mind was guiding me wisely, and how to take hold of folly until I could see what, was, what good there is for the sons of men to do under heaven the few years of their lives." So what was Solomon's goal or purpose in this supposed experiment he was performing? What does he say he was doing? Testing. testing. What's he testing? What... What is there worth doing on this, on, in this earth, right? What, what's, what's worth doing? What's worthwhile? Yes? Okay. Yeah. What, what benefit is there in these things, right? Right, right. What's beneficial? What's worth doing in our days on this earth? What was his initial conclusion concerning pleasure and laughter? Madness. Futility accomplishes nothing. Do you agree? Why? 
Is it madness? Is it crazy? Is it futility? I like a good laugh, right? Right, right. There's good things in laughter, yes. Right. So I think one of the things, go ahead, Nico. Right. So, I mean, technically, I guess the answer is yes, it is, but so is everything, so right. what right. does it matter? Yeah. Um, I, I think what Gwen was getting at, if, if all I'm seeking is the next, the next thing that makes me laugh or the next thing that, um, that gives me pleasure... If I'm just seeking the next thing, well, if you're, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing I'm not going to be satisfied with the same or less than what I experienced last time. So it, it's like these things have to continually build. And so I'm not going to just be happy with, well, it was, it was okay last time, let's do the same thing. It, it's like I always need more. It's kind of the, it's just part of human nature. We seem to need more. Um, and if that's all we're seeking, will we ever be satisfied? You know, you right. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. Perhaps. Right. Gwen? Right. 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 Yeah, Nico? Right. And I think that's kind of what he's getting at is, you know, hey, if anybody could do it right, I'd, I'd be the one, you know. Um, I always said growing up, you know, my brother was four years older than I was. And, I mean, he made every mistake he could dream of. And I learned from most of his mistakes and avoided a lot of them. But, yeah, let him make the stupid mistakes and take the opportunity to learn from it. So that's kind of what... Uh, what we're dealing with here, I think, with Solomon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. They're thinking it through. Yeah. Right. 
I think, I think his hypothesis is pretty, pretty obvious throughout the book because he keeps saying, under the sun, under heaven, under the sun. What's, what's worthwhile on this earth? And, and you, you were teaching Sunday school somewhere else last week, so you missed this part. But, but just as a reminder, in chapter 12, verse 13, the conclusion when all has been heard is, fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. So he's, he's going through this methodical process of, you know, what's worth doing on the earth? What's worth doing in this lifetime? Um, but he keeps saying, under the sun, under the sun, under the sun. So he's not really talking. He's talking about physical things, I believe. And he's not really getting to, at this point, at least, not getting to spiritual things. Um, so... In just asking that question, will we ever be satisfied with these things? I think the answer is obviously no, because it's not how we were created. We weren't created to, yeah. Right. And again, I think he's kind of got to take us through this process. And, and, and of course, most of us have, have read it. We, we kind of are aware of where it's going. But I think it's good that we're, we're going to kind of work through it and go, okay, what is it? And if, if for no other reason, I think then, um, I think we're kind of aware of it. But I think one of the benefits of going through this is as we talk to nonbelievers. And as they're pursuing all these things, and looking for, because, you know, you, you see these young guys that are, you know, thrill seekers that are doing some crazy stuff, and you can see it all now because it's on YouTube and wherever else, you know, to finance them being able to go do the next crazy thing, you know. Um, but it, it's never enough. Um, it's, it's this constant pursuit of the next thrill, the next whatever, you know. Yeah, Nico? Right. Right. But again, I, and, and this is something, I, I don't know if I've said it in here, I've said it a lot, because this is one of the things I think about, is that you know, there is no, every other religion in the world obviously has been created by man. If Christianity is true, then everything else is created by man. Every other religion you look at is based on works, to some degree, right? Can you think of a religion where it's not important that you do what you're supposed to do? what you're told to do. You need to stay in line or, you know, whether it's karma, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, there, there's, and, and even most sects, sects, sects of Christianity 
are based on works. And a lot of people who are in Bible-believing churches are still focused on works because we want to work our way to heaven. We want to earn our way to heaven. That is so human nature that it's in every religion. And so if, if you want to have good, righteous um, people who look really good, you should make a works religion where if you don't toe the line, things are not going to work out well for you. If you are trying to get people to be obedient, grace is not the best way to do that. So at some point you start to realize that God wants us to be holy. He wants us to be obedient, but he's more concerned about showing us true grace. He's willing to have people who aren't, who don't look good, but who, it is only through grace that we can truly respond in love. If he says, you have to do these things in order to get to heaven, if you have to check these boxes, then what does love really look like? Does that make sense? Anyway, were you going to say something else, Nico? Right. Well, let's be honest. I don't like mercy and grace for other people. No, but I'm, I'm serious, right? I mean, when it comes down to it, I see somebody sinning and and I see God's grace poured out, and I'm like, they didn't deserve that. Did you see what they did? Well, that's, and that's, I was curious to your point. Right. Like, even, even people who don't have any works or deeds still tend towards moving away from grace and mercy, moving away from forgiveness. Right. 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 Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where we are in the passage anymore, but... <laughs> um, I, I do... I, I want to talk a little bit about... Um, he, you know, he in, chap, in verse 3, I think it is, he, he, he lumped stimulating himself with wine in with folly or foolishness. So do you think it's actually possible for someone to stimulate his body with alcohol and also have his mind guiding him wisely? It, it may be. I don't know. Um, yeah. I can play with some of this just because I have some part of it, but I don't think it's an area that we can 
Right. 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 Yeah. And I don't know how much that, you know, for, for uh, Solomon was, was going on. Um, so I don't know if, if Solomon was stopping short of actually being drunk, which kind of gives that idea. I don't think that you can be drunk and still think rationally about being drunk. Again, I, I haven't ever actually been drunk, so I don't know. But um, I don't know. I think, you know... But, but still, regardless of, of all that, he does, he's going to say further on, it's all vanity, it's foolishness, it's striving after wind. It wasn't the answer either. So he's tested himself with that. Um, let's go on to verse, uh, verse, verse 4. I enlarged my works. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself, and I planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made ponds of water for myself from which to irrigate a forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves, and I had home-born slaves. Also, I possessed flocks and herds larger than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. Also, I collected for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I provided for myself male and female singers and the pleasures of men, many concubines." Does anything jump out at you after reading through that? For myself. Myself. I, myself. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah, it should jump out at you. Um, I, I am the focus. Myself. I built houses for myself. I planted for myself. I made, I made, I made. I, for myself, I bought, I possessed, I collected, I provided for myself. So he accumulated a lot of stuff. Houses, vineyards, gardens, parks, slaves, flocks, herds, all these were more than anyone before him, at least in, in Jerusalem. Um, he certainly impressed the Queen of Sheba, not just with his stuff, but also with his wisdom and knowledge. So his, his fame in all this was, it, he's not just boasting, it was real. He was known throughout the world as this incredibly wise and incredibly rich ruler. Um, he had impressive stuff and, and impressive wisdom. He had tons of gold and silver and singers and entertainers. Oh, yeah, and also he had 700 wives and 300 concubines, in case we missed that. He could sleep with a different woman every night and not have had to see the same one again for three years, if he so chose. That is, if there was a rotation, which I'm sure there wasn't, but... So, so let's, let's try to put this in perspective. He could decide which woman out of 1,000 women was the best in bed and sleep with her every night if he chose to. And in verse 11, he's going to say it was all vanity and a waste of time. That's one thing I'd really like to be able to get our society to understand. Here's a guy 
who could have his choice of women and not even really have to feel guilty about it. You could argue that he should have, but, um, but that wasn't getting it done. That wasn't enough. Um, it, that's not, that didn't bring him satisfaction either. Um, and of course, we can argue the fact that Solomon didn't experience the reality of being married to one woman for his entire life. Not that that would have necessarily brought perfect satisfaction either, but he, he uh, it, it, it would have been better. Um, Israel? Right. 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 So it may be more intentional. Yeah, could be. Um, so, so he, um, he recognized this is not the, the answer to contentment under the sun. In Proverbs, um, turn over to Proverbs chapter 5. He does at some point, and again, we don't know exactly when each of these books was written. We kind of suspect that Proverbs was probably written earlier. And Ecclesiastes was probably more at the end of his life. But Proverbs 5, um, 18 and 19 let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. So it's interesting that a guy who had 700 wives and 300 concubines writes to his son, be satisfied with your wife, not your wives, but your wife. Um, and then um, I, can, uh, I think that we can definitely state that... Um, he would have experienced more of God's blessing if he had done like he just told his son to do. Malachi 2, 13 to 14 says, This is another thing you do, God's talking to Israel. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and with groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. Yet you say, For what reason? Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth against whom you have dealt treacherously, though she, she is your... Your, your companion and your wife by covenant. Um, so I think he could have had greater contentment, but again, this is, he, this is part of the experiment, apparently. Um, I don't know that as, as he was gathering wives and concubines, if he was thinking, okay, this is all part of the experiment. I don't think that's probably what it was. I think he's looking back on his life and going, that was an experiment, and it didn't really work, right? Um, and I could be t being too hard on him. I mean, yeah. I mean, who, whom did Solomon take all those wives and concubines for? Yeah. Was it for their benefit? No.
Right. Yeah, it's interesting. He was a man with a lot of wisdom, and there's a lot of good. He had a lot of good things to say. There's a lot of good stuff. Um, but we look at some of the things he did, and we go, "This is, he he acted a fool in a lot of ways." So it's it, he is an interesting paradox. Right. Sure. Sure. <laughs> right. Right. At least it sounds good to be able to say that. I mean, honestly, if you're a man, right? Am I? Am I? Am I wrong there? I mean. Because that's that's a macho man, you know, kind of a thing. Is hey, you know, not not bragging or anything, but seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines. Yeah, you are bragging, you know. Well, a lot of it was just strategic. Okay, you know, I hear what you're saying, but but yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right for their own religion. Yeah. Right, Nico. Yeah, um, and of course we don't know in his last days what he, you know, uh, I don't know. Um, obviously, all of us, what what goes on between us and the Lord is is us and the Lord, and and no one can know anyone's else's heart other than what is spoken. But yeah, he he didn't. It doesn't look good. Right. Neither was the next prince of Rome as a 
Right. Right. Yeah. And I realize you could, uh, just in thinking about the, the women thing, you could call it missionary marriage, kind of like there's missionary, you talk about missionary dating, but I don't think that worked out too well either because it worked the opposite way. Um, so did Solomon's self-focus bring him contentment? No. Do we ever think that it'll work for us? We wouldn't be sinning if we didn't, if we believed otherwise. Okay, um, let's move on. Uh, verse 9. Then I became great and increased more than all those who preceded me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also stood by me. All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart was pleased because of all my labor, and this was my reward for all my labor. Thus I considered all my activities which my hands had done and the labor which I had exerted, and behold, all was vanity and striving after wind, and there was no profit under the sun. So again, Solomon's fame and renown grew. The queen of Sheba heard about it. The world knew about it. He refused himself nothing. He didn't need to, so he didn't. Um, and still the focus is very much himself. So what does he say about the labor he performed? Probably not physical labor so much, but what does he say about the things that he did? Okay, before that, though, he actually says, um, for, uh, my heart was pleased because of all my labor, and this was my reward for my labor. So he does indicate that there was some benefit, some positive to his labors. And then he says it was all vanity. What do you think he means by that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, do you ever do you ever do something? You you know, you, you do a physical day of work and you get to the end of the day and you go, Wow, I can see what I did. It there was, you know, something was accomplished there, right? Nico? Sure. Right. Yeah, we have to ask the question, were, was, was work created before or after the curse? It's before, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I think he found reward in accomplishing something, right? I think that's, again, I think that's the way we're wired. Mm -hmm. Heather? Well, maybe this is Right. Right. Right, yeah. Yeah, there is, there is a point to it. Um, so why do you think he says it's all vanity? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. I think I think is he's and 
and we'll see it more, I think, as he, as he continues through the book, is that, and we'll see it here in a little bit, he's, he's got a long view. And so he goes, yeah, that was rewarding to get something done, but then when I step back and look at it, somebody else is going to, you know, I'm going to die, somebody else is going to come along, I don't know what they're going to do with it, you know, this whole thing of, oh, uh, you know, it, was, it, was, it felt good to get something done, but then I got to leave it to somebody else, and I don't know what they're going to do with it. Um, I think that's kind of where he's going with it. Um, and I think we're, we maybe see into the hearts of many men who work and strive and succeed without being able to find an end. You know, there's certain, they just find the, the only satisfaction I can find is in getting something accomplished. I saw that something happened, something was accomplished, and so tomorrow I need to do the same thing, and the day after that, and the day after that. So they're, they're accumulating wealth as they're doing this, but not getting any satisfaction from it. Nico. Right. 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 Yeah. Right, right. Because you think you look at all the things he talked about that he built, that he made, and of course, when he says he built it, it's kind of like when I say I built a house. I didn't build the house. I made sure everybody was there to get the things done that built the house. Um, so it's kind of that same thing. But there's satisfaction in going, you know, hey, the, somebody gets to move into this house, you know. He built houses for his wives. He's talking about gardens and all these different things that he, that he was involved in making happen that because he had the money is really what it came down to. He had the resources to be able to make it happen. So, all right, let's move on. We may not, we'll probably won't, no, won't make all the, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, I think we should find satisfaction in doing something well, right? I think what it comes down to, a lot of it, what it boils down to is, who am I doing it for? Am I doing it all for me? Because if I'm doing it all for me, it may feel good that I did something, but I'm, it's not truly going to bring satisfaction if it's just for me, right? All right, let's, let's move on. Um, we're going to read 12 through 17. So I turn to consider wisdom, madness, and folly. For what will the man do who will come after the king except what has already been done? 
And I saw that wisdom excels folly as light excels darkness. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I know that one fate befalls them both. Then I said to myself, as is the fate of the fool, it will also befall me. Why then have, been, have I been extremely wise? So I said to myself, this too is vanity, for there was no lasting remembrance of the wise man as with the fool. Inasmuch as in the coming days all will be forgotten, and how the wise man, wise man and the fool alike die. So I hated life for the work which had been done under the sun. Oh, for the work which had been done under the sun was grievous to me, because everything is futility and striving after wind. What do you think uh, uh, Solomon is arguing for here? What do you think his point is? I think he's basically just, first thing he's saying is, um, it is better to be wise than foolish. Would you agree with that? Right. Do you think it is probably what better to be wise than foolish? We'd like to think so. Yeah, we'd hope so. Right. Yep. Right. But he just said, in the context of everything, it doesn't sound like he does. And it's deeper to the extent that everyone's going to die anyway. Right. So no, it's better to be wise that it doesn't matter. I, the, wise, the wise man can die and the fool is going to be forgotten. Neither of them can really do anything to make life worthwhile because I already established that the fool will go and throw their life away for pleasure. And that doesn't satisfy. Right. Yeah, I think I think I think that's one of the reasons that I thought it was important that we understand that we that we look at who Solomon was to start with, and where did he come from, and where you know how did he end up, and all those things because it's important to look at what is his perspective, you know, and. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And clearly, Solomon had some wisdom to start with, or he wouldn't have known to ask for more wisdom. Right? I mean, that it kind of, you kind of have to have a little bit of intelligence wisdom to, to ask for it. But then he says, it really doesn't matter, right? Um, he says, I saw that wisdom excelled folly as light excels darkness. Um, and yet I know that one fate befalls them both. You know, is ignorance truly bliss? I could make an argument that yes, it is. <laughs> Under the sun... Yeah, you could, you could argue it is. From a strictly worldly viewpoint, it's better to be foolish or at least unaware of the world's greater problems, right? And just work, eat, drink, get married, have kids, grandkids, die, aware primarily of your own little existence. If that's all there is, if that's all there is under the sun, 
then sure. That's about as good as you're going to get. You won't be focused on all the world's problems. You won't be focused on all these things. But is that the way the, that life really works? There are people who believe that's the case, that you know, you're know you going to go through this life, you're going to do your thing, and you're going to die, and that's it. That's why I think to a large degree this, this book is, is a great tool for us as to be speaking into the world because this is a lot of what the world thinks. I'm not sure that Solomon felt that way. I, I'm not sure that Solomon didn't know about eternity or right. God exists. Obviously, he does know that God exists. Yeah. So I don't know that he's ne- necessarily making a mistake. I think what he's saying is that human wisdom doesn't have anything to do with <coughs> the afterlife. Right. You know? Uh, so human wisdom is right. irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes on after it, and he says what he's really frustrated about is that he's going to end up getting stuck with here anyway. Right. You know? Yeah. So what's the point of, of working in this life? If right. It's meaning, this life is meaningless, unless you're, of course, he's talking about being in a place where God has to have it. Right. Which is what it is not the case. Right. Um, so I, I don't know that Solomon doesn't know. He's just saying that it's all irrelevant to what's happening Right. Yeah, it's that whole under the sun thing. It's yeah. this it's this tension that we're that we're kind of fighting with is is we recognize as believers as those who um, have who know the story more completely, so to speak, because we we've experienced Christ and it's not that you know Solomon had the promise and that's how people in the Old Testament that was what redemption looked like for them was looking forward to God said he's going to send a redeemer and he did but they don't see it at that point, you know. So that's, that's what salvation looked like for them. But, you know, that's... Um, I, I think the point he makes is absolutely correct. Everything in this life is temporal. Yes. You have to focus on this life. Absolutely. The only thing that isn't temporal is if you make the things that you do in this life about the things that are coming in the future. Right. Which is focusing on being a witness to, to God, a yeah. witness. Witness to eternal things rather than temporal things. Right. And I think, I don't know if he gets there, but, you know, I think that's the point he's making, right? Right. There's purpose. Right. There's no purpose. I think he's saying something about loving and accepting the promise and that kind of thing. You know, in terms of like, when I I look at Solomon's life, I just see this giant waste of potential. God gave him the wisest man in the world. And what does he do with that? Himself. Right. He makes an empire outside of the world's world. Okay, so now take that and multiply it worldwide. Think about the Elon Musks and the Jeff Bezos and, and whoever else that we consider to be, wow, they're really on top of the heap. Multiply that by all these people throughout the world who, and, and that's why I think to me this is, this is a great evangelistic tool that we think through what does it look like to be amassing all these things that are pointless, that we should be able to speak into people's lives 
there is a point. I can, I can show you, I can point you in that direction, Israel. Okay, that's very possible. <laughs> yes. Yep. Right. 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 And we need to find balance in it because we do have to, I mean, we do need some of the things of the world. You know, it's cold outside. You probably need a jacket. You probably need to have some clothes on. You need to eat lunch, you know, probably less than most of us do. I can vouch for my family, myself. Um, but, but, yeah, we, we, need to, um, we need some of the things of the world, but how do we find the balance between I need to amass more and more and more and more, and I've got plenty, you know. All right, we are out of time. So um, we're kind of stopping abruptly, but um, thanks for all the good discussion, and we'll, uh, we'll pick it up. Jim, would you pray for us? Sure. Thanks.